Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here, coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is a special episode of the Produce Industry Podcast. We have the exclusive interview with Sarah Fry from Fry Farms. Now, today, she is releasing her book, The Growing Season, How I Built a New Life and Saved an American Farm. Now, if you do not know Sarah, her family business plants thousands of acres of fruits and vegetables in seven states. Inspired by humble beginnings and early life on the farms, Sarah is committed to creating opportunities for those living and working in rural communities. With a mission to end food waste, the family business makes natural food products and beverages with ingredients sourced from imperfect or ugly fruit. I've got a few questions already lined up for Sarah. She's on hold, waiting to come on the line. She's been anticipating the book release to talk about the growing season. She's had to postpone this from June, which she's gonna talk about a little bit more, but let's get her on the line and talk about her newly released book, The Growing Season. Without further ado, everyone, Sarah Fry. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show today. Hey, Patrick, thanks for having me on. It's such an exciting day. You know, I want to say congratulations. It's August 25th, 2020, and this has been a big anticipated day for you because what and why? Because your book is released. And I'm excited because I did get the PDF version a few days before. And so I've got to go through, read the book a little bit and learn more about Sarah, right? So that's what's so cool about it. And again, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, um, you know, this day has certainly um, been anticipated. <laughs> it's kind of been a long time coming. I, uh, the book was pushed off because of COVID from June 2nd um, to August 25th. But I think that it's actually being released at the perfect time of the year because we're getting ready to go into our pumpkin harvest. In fact, some of our pumpkins are, are being harvested now. And um, I just, you know, today's really a day of relief for me too because I poured so much of my heart and soul and, you know, bared my soul for this book to, to write this book in, in ways that I, I never dreamed imaginable, Patrick. I, I um, for most of my life, I, you know, I've sort of kept my personal life very personal and I've um, allowed, you know, people to sort of draw their own perception of who Sarah Fry was. And um, I never felt a need to, you know, really tell anyone anymore because quite frankly, it was, it was a very complicated story. So for most of my life, um, and especially working in this in this industry, um, for most of my life, it was better just to better just to let people, you know, like I said, draw their own conclusions about who I was and um, what I was doing. And you know, the inspiration to write this book actually came from a particular moment that I had when. I shared a story of my past with a young woman and um, 
I ran into her about a year later, and this is not someone that I really knew, and the story that I shared was sort of off the cuff, and it was, um, it was a personal story, but it was also, it was also about business, and I ran into her a year later, and she profusely thanked me and said, oh my gosh, my life changed, you know, the night that you, you, you told me, you know, X, Y, Z. And frankly, I didn't even really even remember the exact conversation, but she was able to, she was able to play the tape back perfectly. And then she told me what she did with that advice. And I think part of, well, I know part of that advice was she was getting ready to take a chance and she wasn't sure that she should do it. She wasn't sure that she should leave the particular job that she was in and take on so much risk. She was a single mother and, um, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a scary time in her life. And she was actually, actually sort of leaning toward not going after what she ultimately wanted. And the advice that I gave her that night, <clears throat> I related it to one of my own stories and starting my company. But the advice that I gave her was, you don't have to have it all figured out right now. Just get started, you know, just get started, fake it until you make it. As long as you're putting the work in behind the scenes, you're, you're a smart woman, you're gonna figure this out. But you have to take that first step and don't be paralyzed by the fear because what ultimately is that, you know, you think about the worst thing that can happen to you, what, you know, you, you get another job that you don't like. Um, so it was in that moment after I had read, her name was Olivia, it was in the moment that um, Olivia, I, I saw Olivia a year later and she had told me that she had been inspired by that story and then ultimately took action based upon what I had shared with her. And I saw how dramatically her life had changed. And I thought, oh hell. <laughs> you know, it was almost right. like this, it was almost like this, um, it was almost like I, I felt uh, a sense, like it was, all, it was almost like a burden, frankly. It was like, oh no, now that I know this, now that I know that sharing a piece and a part of my past with someone that wasn't even really easy for me to talk about. It wasn't, it wasn't nearly as deep as many of the things that you'll find in, in the growing season, but just knowing that I shared that with her and it impacted her life in such a way that forever changed it for the better, I felt this enormous sense of responsibility to share more. And it was very, um, very contradictory to how I am because I have never really shared anything about my past or, or, or my journey. Um, but then suddenly I had this, you know, I had this newfound sort of responsive responsibility and this voice that I could not silence inside of me telling me that I had to, I had to, I had to write, I had to bear my soul. I had to tell, some of the most difficult things um, in my life, and that um, if it if it only affected one other person's life in the way that it, it had affected Olivia's, that the the pain and the process of writing this deeply personal memoir 
would be worth it. For sure. And you know what's funny is I can relate to you when, and I'm not going to go into my book, but I am an author myself. And if you listen to the podcast, you will hear that a lot. But that's what I was going through too. It's like I had baby boomer parents and they ran all the operations and the packing houses. And I was like, what's happening here with these two generations that are falling apart? And it's what you said. It's just someone. And I was going to try to impress you because I did get to Olivia. Um, I did get to that. I actually have it uh, up on my phone here as well as I'm, as I'm searching and reviewing. But I did look at that story and go, wow, it's like, these are the moments where if you can just change 1% or less than 1% of any part of our community, the change is already going to start happening. The change yeah. is there. Right. Yeah. So I do. I, I love that story about Olivia. And I was going to try to impress you and say, what's her name, Olivia? And, um, <laughs> and, and it was, you said, you said it, but, but you're right. And, and those are the hard things about writing a book. And, and we want everyone to know that that's listening is that, the vulnerability that Sarah has put on the table for everyone to see in the growing season and, you know, talking about, you know, the melon root, talking about the family, um, talking about, heck, uh, your first sleepover that when you were 14, I'm not going to spoil the fun, but there's a lot of things that you talked about then that brought vulnerability to a lot of people that have not been vulnerable in our industry. So yeah. I, I think that shows a lot. It, it really, really does. And then the book goes into a lot about um, how you built up the farm, you know, how, you know, your family and everybody worked together, right? It's, it, was a, it was like trials and tribulations. This wasn't like a happy, like everything was great, awesome, love, love, love. No, it was literally, like I said, the memoirs of Sarah Fry um, going through this. So I, I do appreciate it. I do realize and understand where you're coming from too, because um, being an author of a book and helping people thrive together is one of the hardest things. It's like, that's the free knowledge, you know, yeah, we're going to be uh, checking out the book at Walmart and Amazon, right? But yeah. it's, it's when you get people to work together and make that change, you're sitting here just going, all right, I did yeah. it. It's yeah. success, you know, it, you know, yeah. so, but talk a little bit more about the book though. Listen, um, today's the release date. Uh, like I said, you can get it on Walmart and on Amazon, but listen, so you talked about writing the book and I've got a lot of friends that are authors and they wrote their first book and then the second and third, they're like, oh, I ghost wrote the book. Did you have any thoughts of ghost writing your first book or did you really start with the pen and paper like I did? Oh, so I actually had an incredible uh, mentor, call it ghost, call it whatever. I, I was able to, with great stamina, talk imagine that right and tell stories so I'm, awesome. I, I'm i have been a really good storyteller my whole entire life my stories usually have a beginning a middle and end and sometimes they go on for a very long time so what where <laughs> I, where i needed help was getting all of these stories out of me and so that for the just pure purely from a process standpoint all of that that was days of just talking and so when you when you go through this process you just feel like you just you have to throw up everything right and so i had to put it all out there you know and then once you go through that and you pour yourself a nice tall glass of wine because you've earned it at that point then you have to then you have to kind of step back from it and you have to you know pull out pieces that are relevant and then 
where I had um, where I had the most help. Um, so the woman who helped me, her name was Ada, and I, I was actually very fortunate to have her. She worked on a lot of really great projects for a lot of really super successful women, and she really became a good friend of mine through this. But what she helped me with was building the arc of the story. And so you, in a memoir, you, there, memoirs are like photographs. They're like, um, you know, it's not an autobiography and it's, it's not, this is my whole life, but these are moments from my life. This is, these are moments that helped shape who I, who I have become. And um, so I did have help because this was my first, you know, this was my first book. And um, I'll tell you, there were so many really scary moments, Patrick. I mean, I, I really, I felt like I had monsters under my bed every night. I thought at any moment they're gonna, they're gonna crawl out from underneath my bed and they're just gonna eat me, like I'm gonna die. And um, there were so many times when I, when I thought, oh my gosh, I'm just gonna give Random House back all of their advance money that they've paid me for this book. I was just kidding. I wanna write a cookbook, right? <laughs> Like, I don't want a memoir. No more memoirs. <laughs> You're going to get a cookbook. Um, so, it, you know, so there, so I had that struggle, like every single day with that, that voice inside of me that kept saying, no, you have to do this. You have to do this. And I kept thinking, what in the hell is the higher purpose for this? Right. Okay. So you change a few people's lives. Really? I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you, like, okay. Did it mean that much? <laughs> you know, it's true though. I won't say that I did not reevaluate that um, almost on a daily basis. Like, how much do I really care about other people? <laughs> um, and uh, ultimately, that voice, um, that that voice was was the was the was the winning voice. And probably because it, you know, I mean, it would call me a coward. You know, I'd also be laying in bed at night, afraid of all the monsters that were going to eat me because I was writing this memoir. And then that voice would say, "Oh, you're a coward," you know, right. and almost and just like dare me. Okay, yeah, go ahead and give up. See how you feel about yourself. And well, don't you yeah. think it's even scarier that it, we're, we're here at their release date and you're like, "Oh my gosh, it's here now." Now you're like, people are going to yeah. read it. Oh yeah, now I know. Now the shit got real today, didn't it? <laughs> so um yeah well you know whatever hold my beer here we go i'm with you i'm totally with you though sarah because that's kind of like you get all these back and forth and i remember writing my book it came from me meeting this guy hans finzel on an airplane flying to china right yeah. so it was like this weird experience of how we met and at the time like i said i was very uh baby boomer um shy i wouldn't go near baby boomers because i uh, felt like they didn't, uh -huh. they didn't uh connect with me so it's like i was just writing like my think about your notebook right i remember starting mm -hmm. out with the legal pads my dad mm -hmm. would give me the yellow legal pad which yeah, i am so against now i will never yeah. use a, a, a yellow <laughs> legal pad i have these little cool notebooks now that yeah. i do i will not use legal pads but i remember going back and having just you know, 2003, 2004, 2005, and I've had stacks of these books that had orders and all my daily life, but it also had my feelings on there. Like, I remember when dad would tell me to do the things that, you know, weren't really supposed to be said at work, right? Or, right. you know, I can, I can tell you, my dad would uh, say, hey, go run to the store and get me a pack uh, of cigarettes. And I'd oh, be like, sure. <laughs> I'd be like first of all, I'd be like, I don't smoke cigarettes. I'm like, second of all, I, I'm working right now. Like, you know, yeah. so I think yeah. that's very cool because everybody does things a little bit differently. And as you saw it, 
you're a storyteller. One, I've seen that through the industry. You've got a great story. And that's what our industry needs more of is to understand where you come from, where your organization has been, right? The stories, right? All these Mm -hmm. trials that we're going through. So I think that's awesome. I mean, I I came to a point where it took me, I had to re-release my book a year later because I was writing it, right? Mm -hmm. I, I was literally doing it with Hans myself, flying back and forth to Denver, Colorado. So I definitely, definitely applaud you for, for getting that. Um, oh, no, this took me a year too. and a half. I had to get the story. It took three days to get all of the, just to oh, get of course. all of the, it was three days of just pure bearing my soul and like <laughs> throwing up all of the vulnerabilities. <laughs> yes. And then, and then over the course of the next 18 months, yep. it was, you know, in my, sitting at my dining room table and looking at first draft, second draft, writing, adding, adding inner thoughts, um, which I, which I actually think are very important in the book because especially when I'm a a kind of a little girl, you know, um, so the book starts out, you know, I'm like, like four or five years old. And, um, so you're already, you're, you're sort of in this, in the mind of this, this child, this young girl who is the youngest of five, you know, the youngest of five with four older brothers. And she's being raised on this, um, this farm in the middle of nowhere that we know is the hill. And um, they're being raised in isolation. And, uh, but no one really knows that no one, no one in the family, none of the children really realize that there's anything particularly wrong with our life because we're growing up in this really incredible, um, on this really incredible piece of land that's full of magic and wonderment and we're growing things and we're pulling things out of the ground minutes before you know the food's being cooked and we're picking wild blackberries and we're you know we're swimming in a we're swimming in a pond it's like this is very liberating life that i was living as this child you know and like this sort of my own magical kingdom um in the country and then as we you know the book goes on um, as the story goes on, we, you know, we realize, um, you know, the, the readers get to see sort of the, the different aspects of that, but that has never tainted my view really of where I, where I came from. And um, I think especially, you know, I mean, you think about what we're, what we're all going through now with COVID, how our businesses have been impacted and, and, our, and our personal lives. And for me, writing the book actually got me, it was actually really good that I personally did that because when COVID hit, it was, I was forced to go back and dial up all of these memories from my past and forced to think about, well, how did I, how did I, you know, land that Walmart deal? Or how did I, you know, get this uh, particular customer in the industry? Or, you know, I had never really been forced to think about that stuff before. I just did it, you know? So when COVID struck, all of that stuff was fresh on my mind. Like, oh, no, I did kill my dinner when I was a child. I did go, you know, I'm, I was a hunter. I was a born hunter and I hunted in business. I hunted in life. And all of those experiences that I relived were fresh in my mind. And I thought, you know, I survived so much. At an er- I, 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 I survived. My brother survived. We came out of it stronger. Um, there are some really tough things in this book that I went through and that I could even say that, you know what, I, I don't 
I don't have regrets and I don't think about it. I don't dwell on it. I'm not a victim of it. And I've never allowed myself to be a victim of it. And I know that no matter how much fear I have inside me right now and this at this moment, whether it's, you know, fear in the business, fear of, you know, someone in my family, someone, someone that I love getting sick, um, uh, you know, fear of losing everything. I've been rich, I've been poor, you know, I'm not, I, it, it puts things into perspective. And I think that, like I said, for me personally, I'm really glad that I wrote it because it was top of mind for me. Like you did those things, you survived. And then sort of the, 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 the final thing was you weren't afraid, like you overcame your fear of writing this book for the whole world. And so now this is just another fight, whether you're fighting for your business, you know, we had a lot of business, our business at Fry was impacted greatly um, when the restaurant industry shut down and we lost, you know, millions of dollars worth of, of, of revenue. And um, we had to do some pivoting. Fortunately, much of our business was uh, heavily weighted in, in grocery retail. So that part was good. Um, but like so many people and, and so many other um, companies in our industry just, I mean, they just got hammered. And, you know, we we're all just fight we're fighters in this industry. We're produce people are not, we are not shrinking violets. Okay. Like if you go into this industry, you gotta be a little, I mean, you gotta be a little sort of thick skin and edgy, you know, you know? Yeah. We're gonna get through it. We, we, I know we're gonna get through it. And there was never a doubt in my mind that for, for me personally, that was probably one of the one of the the moments. And that is actually when I, Patrick, that's when I um, I probably felt the best about the book because I finally got that question answered inside of me, deep inside my gut, about what the higher purpose was. You know, I could say, oh, you know, I wrote this because I know that it changed people's lives. You know, I've told stories that, that have caused people to go out and, you know, um, take action in different ways that has changed their, their lives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That all sounds really, you know, all fine and good, right? But there was always still that burning, like, why are you so damn driven to do this? Why can't you silence this voice that tells you to share all of this deeply personal stuff, you know? Yeah, no. Well, and as then, Hans would say, you're a visionary. Hans, yeah. you know, my co-author always said, those are visionaries. You, you live with a, this weird crystal ball in your purse or your satchel, and it's not a crystal ball to see the future. It's a crystal ball to see a lot more than others do, and that's one of the yeah. hardest things to bear. Yeah, I did. I did. Well, the, the problem was I didn't see, see it. I felt it, and it was like... And I, and, I, and I kept questioning, like, hey, I feel this. Okay, when are you going to present yourself? Hello, <laughs> higher purpose, <laughs> present yourself, because right now I'm really questioning a lot. And, um, and you know, when the, when, the world, when the world stopped turning, it was, it was very clear to me why I wrote The Growing Season, because much of the country is living with fear, uncertainty, anxiety um there you know people are living in isolation and frankly you know that's how i spent 
the better part of my youth. And, um, but that, that experience was what ultimately shaped me and set me up in such a way that when the opportunity presented itself to change my future, I was ready. And so one of the themes in the book is, uh, we talk about imperfect fruit in this industry and, and I'm a farmer, you're a farmer, we grow things, right? So farmers have no ugly children, but we're always trying to find a purpose for, you know, this, the number two fruit. We're always trying to find a purpose for the fruit that, you know, might taste great, but just has some visual imperfections that won't make, you know, that won't make US, US grade number one, um, because we need, we need to use every part of our crop to basically keep the farms in business, right? I mean, every we're, we're at the end of the day, we're all selling commodities um, and there's only so much margin. So you wanna get as much as you can possibly get out of that crop. So we're always trying to find the greater purpose for the fruit that doesn't necessarily meet that perfect standard. And I think that is really, you know, that's that's life too, you know. That that applies to life. So 100%. life is imperfect. But what do you do with this very imperfect life? And how do you look past the imperfections? How do you see past, you know, the the blemish on the melon? And how do you envision like the greater purpose for that watermelon. In my case, I took the watermelon and I made juice, you know, and then, I, you know, in, in the business world. And, but then in, in my life, I took some of the very, very dif difficult challenges that I faced and I turned those experiences into the education that would then later inform decisions that I made at risk that I would take. Um, you know, confidence uh, and, and knowing that I could go after anything that I wanted because I would always, I would actually dial back uh, up some of those really difficult moments and say, you know what, you did that, you went through this, this is how you handled it. Do you remember that feeling that you had when you grabbed that massive snapping turtle by the tail and it landed in the back of the pickup truck? Okay, you might be scared as hell right now, but you grabbed that turtle when you were seven years old, it flew through the air, it landed in the back of the pickup truck, and then you have that, that feeling of, I did this. I was terrified, but I did it and I pulled it off. And that feeling is like a drug. It's like a needle in your arm when you accomplish that. And so what I would do at different moments in my life is dial up you know, different, different moments when, you know, whether, whether it was like, whether I felt fear, whether I felt sadness, whatever the emotion was, and remember, you know, getting through that and overcoming that, and what was, what, what did the good feeling feel like, and then that would inspire me to take the step, and to move ahead, and, and, and to overcome whatever it was I was dealing with at the time. I think it's fantastic. And the growing season definitely illustrates and talks a lot about all these experiences, which I love because I think there are a lot of these things. And, I, and August 3rd was National Watermelon Day. And I wanted to go <laughs> back to that yes. um, be, because it was interesting what you said about, you know, the food service industry as well, because I went out for, uh, for a drink on National Watermelon Day, took the kids out. We went out uh, for dinner. I ordered a watermelon margarita. And it said in the description that there was a watermelon half in there. And when it came out, there was no watermelon half. I asked the, uh, the restaurant, um, but they gave me, you know, one of the excuses of why they don't have watermelons in stock, which I was okay with. 
But you know, I definitely want to oh, go no, back. Oh no, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. I'm not going to tell you where I'm not, I won't tell you where I was, but uh, yeah, they, they just, they gave me some, some excuses of why they didn't have it. But you know, I, I that goes back to everybody's affected differently. Everybody's going to read a story differently. Everybody's going to look at life, this imperfect life differently. And I was even going to give you an analogy as I was talking to my buddy the other day and, and guys do this all the time too. Ready, ready ladies. So my buddy came out of the barber the other day and he goes, man, how come after the first day of going to the barber, he goes, your hair never looks the same. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sitting there going, dude, you're so right. And I'm like, so it's like, we're imperfect. As you say, every day we are imperfect. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as produce, right. We don't want to think we are. Um, but it was funny because I gave that analogy back and I was like, man, you're so right. And you said it just like produce. It's like, no one's going to come up to you though and say, Hey, Sarah, your hair is looking a little like, you know, this today, or Hey, mm -hmm. you know, no one, no one says that they're going to say that it's really messed up. They're like, Whoa, a little, little wacky hair day, huh? And you're sitting there like, I just came from the hairdresser yesterday. Why doesn't it still look like that? <laughs> right. And that, and that's something, and that is, it's, it's really funny. So, um, I'm really excited that your book is, is out. I'm excited that you can get it at Walmart and or Amazon. I would like a nice fresh signed copy, not, not the digital version. So I'm hoping we're going to be able to get to that. Um, but this is a perfect time for us to, uh, to take a quick break and hear from some of our partners. Welcome to Terra Exports, a fast-paced, entrepreneurial, and innovative, multinational fresh produce company with eight divisions worldwide that handle fruits and vegetables across 65 countries. Did you know that Terra Exports was featured three times in Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies? Terra Exports starts at the ground, literally, with the growth of the product at the farm all the way through distribution channels up into the end user. They take pride in their products, arriving fresh and damage-free, and they're there every step of the way, working alongside suppliers and customers who share in their common goal. Visit Terra Exports at www.terraexports.com, as well as following them on social media on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get on their website, you can also check their availability calendars and all of the produce that they have in store. When you join Terra Exports, you become a member of their global team of thinkers, innovators, dreamers, and doers who are bringing a fresh approach to the produce and supply chain industry. So reach out to Terra Exports today at terraexports.com. Are you ready to enhance your skills? Every day we are tasked to make fast, effective decisions to keep up with the fast-paced produce industry. At AgTools, we take the pressure off of gathering data to help make your day easier and more enjoyable. Connecting the supply chain with AgTools is unique, practical, and easy. AgTools can be used from multiple angles of the produce industry, from farmers all the way to logistics companies. We call that 360-degree decision-making day after day. Visit www.ag.tools.com to gain more reliable and relevant data to see more, achieve more. And now, back to our show. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. It is always great to hear from some of our partners, Ag Tools and Terra Exports. So we are here with Sarah Fry, and today is August 25th, 2020. That's right, the growing season is released. 
It is out at Walmart and Amazon. And listen, get online and order the book so you can see this memoir of Sarah Fry and understand what she's gone through to help our industry, but more importantly, how she's grown in life and to support farmers, growers, and everybody around the world. So Sarah, welcome back. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Patrick. I'm, I have to, I'm like so excited today. It's just, you know, it's a big day. But it's also a big day here at Fry Farms, too. So we're, you know, just beginning the, the pumpkin harvest, as I mentioned earlier. And um, it's I'm going to stop you because you are considered the pumpkin queen, right? Yeah. I've heard this statement before. You, you, uh, I think it was, uh, was it New York uh, Times? It was in the New, the New York Times, yeah. They, they anointed me as the pumpkin queen of America. We are going to keep you okay. as the pumpkin queen of America. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so keep going. I have to interrupt you because that is one thing I read about you and I loved it, the pumpkin okay. queen. So keep, keep going, pumpkin yeah. queen. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I, I'm actually okay with that title. There was, you know, I, sometimes sometimes I take off that crown and I put the watermelon queen crown on. It kind of goes back and forth. But this time of the year, it's it's all about the pumpkin. And um, so we're, uh, we're just gearing up for the harvest. We've actually began to harvest. Um, we harvest, usually our harvest begins before Labor Day weekend. So um, many of the small miniature pumpkins and the ornamentals and a lot of our hard squash is being harvested right now. And, you know, we're just, we're gearing up for what, you know, we're hopeful to be a, a very successful uh, growing season. We had a lot of rain kind of throughout um, the season, which, you know, hasn't necessarily impacted the crop um, in the best way, but overall it looks good. And um, I think that, um, especially with everything going on in the world, people are, people want, pumpkins make people happy, right? And they're this very simple thing that, that, that you can buy at a, it's a relatively low ticket item that you can bring into your home and it brings you joy, right? And so I think we all need a little bit of that. I think everyone should have the pumpkins sitting on their, you know, uh, on their desk or wherever they're working from home because you look at them and it makes people happy. And that's, you know, for me, uh, pumpkins, even though um, pumpkins are what Fry Farms is, is, is known best for, it's actually a small part of our business. We actually grow more melons than we do pumpkins, but you know, it's, it's the thing that people get most excited about and the thing that people want to talk about. So um, it's, it's kind of crazy to be thinking about uh, this, the, you know, the book, The Growing Season uh, coming out today and then knowing that it, it is going to completely, the launch of the book is completely going to overlap with one of the busier times of the year for us, but you know, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll handle it. So we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. You're going to start getting calls. I remember, um, and even to this day, I have my cell phone number is the same number from my book all the way to my produce company. So it's so funny. Cause like, for instance, last night I was playing uh, PlayStation with my eight year old son and it's like seven 30 at night and I get a call, don't know the number. And I, you know, I answer my normal voice and may I speak to, you know, someone about, you know, X, X, Y, and I'm sitting there going, you know, it gives me that look like, oh, wait, that's me, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and then it, it's so funny because you get these new calls, you're going to get new calls beyond uh, just the produce, just as you're going oh, yeah. to get a new fan base that is going to be not of this world, and that's one thing that, you know, 
you're going to love too, right? And those are the things that I think when you look at success, when, when writing or when publishing is again, those little successes. If you have someone that are leaving comments and telling you like, like Olivia did even before you wrote the book, um, again, the, the new following and the new, right. The new critics that are going to come. Oh yeah. I'm sure, <laughs> right? I'm sure there there's going to be a ton of them. Trust me. I get it all the time. I get it. I get it all the time with my book. They're like, your book is so controversial and you just hate baby boomers. And I always say, you know, if you read the, if you read the subtitle of the book, it says helping millennials and boomers thrive together. Maybe, maybe you didn't get past the original title, but it is, it's, it's a great, it's a great feeling though. So again, if you're listening, uh, check out the book, you can get it online. Uh, I do have a question, Sarah, are you going to be releasing this on Kindle in the next, you know, six months to a year? Cause I know during COVID, um, a lot of people are doing the, the Kindle version so they're, they're able uh, to not have to buy the actual product or uh, have it being shipped and having it touched one or two times. Yeah, and I actually, um, uh, just a few weeks ago, um, before, the, before the release, I actually recorded the book and it's in my own voice, which I will Ooh. tell you, uh, it was, that was tough. That was actually really hard. I thought, you know, oh, I'm just going to go into the studio and, and and read my memoir. How hard can it be? I, I wrote it. You know, I thought that was the hardest thing in the world and it almost killed me. But hey, I'm now all I have to do is read it. Oh, my gosh. It was I'm so done, hard. Done. It was so hard. But, you know, I, I wasn't going to do it. In fact, the publisher sent me, they have professional readers. And the publisher sent me a... Um, uh, a basically recordings of all of these various voices and I was actually speaking to a, a, a friend of mine and um, he said oh you know I, I I'm really looking forward to listening to your book too and I said oh yeah you know what speaking of that I, we're getting ready to I'm, I'm I was just look you know going through the filtering through the the various voices and he said well, what do you mean and I said well well I'm picking a voice for the for the audible and he was like uh, no, you can't do that. And I, and I said, why? I, I don't understand. He said, you know, someday you're going, you know, you're not even, you're being selfish right now. You're not thinking about your great grandchildren. Do you want your great, your great grandchildren listening to someone else tell your story when you could do it? And I was like, oh, you know, you're right. And then <laughs> three days later, it took, literally took, took me three days in the studio to get this done. Well, actually about two and a half. And, um, it was very difficult, and but it was done so professionally. I got to shout out to the to the folks at at uh, Penguin Random House, and um, uh, they are incredible. They have an amazing team. Their public relations team has been just really phenomenal on um, just really getting this book into the right hands. You know, we had a, an excellent review from the New York Times. Kirkus gave us a great review. Uh, you know, just ultimately, and we got to, and you know, the growing season is, it has a, um, a starred library journal review. So um, I, we put a lot of work, a, a lot of work into it, a lot of heart and soul and effort. And then ultimately not reading my book felt like, you know, like getting home really, really late after a hard day's work and but falling asleep on your porch because you, you know, <laughs> you were too, too, too wore out to like get, get yourself through the front door. So I read it, it'll be out there. Um, but I would suggest that, especially this week, I need all the help that I can get. Order the book online. Um, hopefully we'll make that New York Times bestseller list. Who knows? I don't know whether we will or not, but, um, 
I think that uh, I think that I think the book will um, do well, and hopefully, it inspires many of your listeners. Yeah, it, it already has, Sarah, and I think that what you're doing is great. So I also want to give a shout out because when we connected back in June, uh, we attended the United Fresh uh, virtual showcase. And I saw you speaking. It's funny because as you were speaking, I sent you a LinkedIn. And I was like, "Hey, I'm watching you speak right now." <laughs> and I was like, "We got, we got to connect." And it's so funny because I really didn't know about this woman of the year or man of the year that gets put yeah. on. I know about the forty under forty and all this. So I was like, before I reached out to you, I, I didn't even think about that. But I do want to give you a huge shout out um, for being woman of the year. Uh, because I think what the women are doing for our industry today is tremendously helping our industry. Uh, Global Women Fresh Network, um, I follow them very regularly as well. So again, I do want to give you a huge shout out and commend you for that. Um, hopefully they gave you a plaque or a trophy that you could, that you got somewhere. Um, so you can always look at, I always say, you know, when I watch the uh, celebrity panels get their, you know, their Oscars and then remember yeah. you see their interviews like, so where do you keep your Oscar? Where do you keep it? They're like, uh, yeah, it's over there somewhere. But you know, it was funny because we we do we will get these you you get awarded these things and it's like it it's so exciting and the things happen just like the book release it's here today right. But what we need to do is expand this right. So Sarah's not just the woman of the year in June. This is this is going beyond that. This is going beyond just a year. This is going beyond now our industry as well as the book. We got to look at supporting Sarah with her book, not just today on August 25th, but throughout the year as well. And it's, it, like she said, when the, uh, the audio book comes out, um, get that as well. Because I think you're right. Doing it in your own voice is, is tremendous. I know there's great, great people out there that do voiceovers, but I agree. Even when I was doing the Millennial Boom podcast, I was sitting there going, it's got to just come from me. And because your kids and my kids do that now when they hear me, they're like, oh, dad's podcasting or dad's doing this. And very rarely do I re-listen to episodes over and over, but if I'm in the car and an episode comes on, my kids are like, whoa, 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 don't, don't go, don't go. And I'm like, me, and me, I'm sitting here like, oh, well, you guys want to listen <laughs> well, to this? I tell you where I'm going to draw the line, Patrick. I'm going to draw the line at playing myself in the television series. That's where I draw <laughs> the line. I'll read the book, but I'm not playing myself. So um, they'll, they'll find a really great actress for that. So the book has also been an option for film, um, and, and that's really exciting as well. And so that's, you know, that's coming down, coming down the pike as well. And I think that's also going to be another really great thing for for our industry i can't wait to see something like that because i think it would i think it would get people thinking about you know fresh fruits and vegetables and mm -hmm. what they buy i mean because now everybody's buying willie robertson's bobblehead doll i mean why can't they be buying sarah fry's watermelon bobblehead you know what i mean it's like <laughs> hey you know <laughs> well, you know and i want to be a bobblehead patrick me too yes. i i, I want to be a bobblehead bobble I be, you know you have arrived when you become a bobblehead and um we're going to be able to you know go into people's homes like we've never really done before i love it i love it and we did talk a little bit about that and i know that that's a project coming up in the future for you so i do again that i think that's going to be great and i talked with Lori taylor about that um a few months ago on the podcast is that not that we don't want celebrities to tell our story. I think it's great that we have Tori Spelling now that's part of the Produce Moms as, you know, kind of an advocate for that. Sure. But even as Lori said, she goes, we need to tell our story. 
We need to be in the papers. We need to be in the, in Hollywood, right? We don't need someone portraying to be Sarah Fry. No, we need Sarah Fry to be in Hollywood and someone playing her, like you said, right? right? I mean, because that's, that's where it's going to make the most impact. So if you can't have um, like a Nicole Kidman or some, you know, I just watched Aquaman last night as the first <laughs> female actress that came to my mind. Uh, but like the play, like I said, to play a Sarah Fry or, I mean, that is going to, help tremendously to our industry it's going to get people eating fresh produce right i guarantee you some of these sets are going to be yes. filled with fresh produce especially oh, if sarah fry you. is an executive producer <laughs> exactly i promise you there will be product placement i'm going to have my sama watermelon juice on the set i'm gonna, everybody's going to be drinking the sarah's homegrown agua frescas <laughs> believe me <laughs> that's gonna we're gonna, the produce industry is going to have some excellent product placement <laughs> oh for sure and they, they, sarah and your team and you don't even know yeah, but I'll be there kind of the whole way audio doing all your audio and giving them updates. So <laughs> you, just don't, you just don't know it yet. But I love it. You know, these are things that I, that I love. You know, uh, Fry Farms has a lot of things coming on the pipeline, which I love, not just with, you know, pumpkins or watermelon, but it's more for the produce industry and even the supply chain industry. Because as we look at this, it's not just selling a piece of fruit anymore. And I think that's what I love about you the most is that this book is one, you're going outside your comfort zone, showing your vulnerability, but then showing people that we're building business in a way that nobody else has, right? And you have to look at it that way. You're yeah. willing to step out of it and go, listen, I'll be the poster child. I'll be this visionary. And I will do this for us because I believe in something bigger than just myself or my company. I believe in our industry. I believe in a higher power. I believe in all these different things. So I, I do. I think, I think it's great. Yeah, Patrick, I think really, um, and what so many of us in this industry, what, what, what we've built, and I know what I've built. I, I look around and I realize I don't really have a job or a career or a business. I have a lifestyle because it's all wrapped up into one. And, um, I, and I think just by the nature of, of this industry that we're in, that's really, that's really what we have. We have lifestyles. So I'm just excited about the opportunity to share. Um, not, because the, the growing season is, yeah, there's a little bit of business in there, but it's really not a lot. I mean, it, it, it's more of a, it's a, it's just as a personal inspiring memoir. And um, there's some, there's some really awesome stuff in there about the business and starting the business. It's a story of entrepreneurship. I mean, and it really embodies the American dream. Um, but I think what it also does is it shows, oh, I get this. Like she created a lifestyle. And so, and, and it finally dawned on me that like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess I, I don't work because I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't work and I'm not really a mom and I'm not really all of these. I'm all of these things. And it's all part of, I'm not one of these things. And um, it's all wrapped up into one. And uh, I think that, um, I just, I think that ultimately that is what people are going to recognize and want to, you know, tune in for. I agree. I mean, I think that it's all about perspective as well too, right? Because as you talk about certain aspects about growing up on yeah. the farm, it makes me think about some of the things maybe, oh, maybe I should have done that, right? And I always say this, man, if you could tell my dad it's a lifestyle and not a career, I mean, he might think that I'm not crazy anymore. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know 
my dad thinks I'm crazy. You know, he really, he really does. And I say that with all the love in my heart, but you're right. The lifestyle that we choose, it's not just about having a career within an industry. And I'm the same way. I mean, I'm a dad, I'm a business right. owner, I'm a yeah. husband, um, yeah. you know, all these different things. So when, when someone comes up to me and says, Hey, what do you do? I mean, that, that's the most awkward question yeah. to ask somebody, right? I think that old school yeah. mentality. So this is bringing a new flavor uh, to our industry, I think, regardless, already, I'm going to say this to you, regardless of what you think, Sarah, um, your readers are going to get a whole different perspective of reading your books. You might say it's not business oriented, but a little citrus guy over here that's reading <laughs> your book is going, man, you, you got some good insights towards this. So it turns into that and then you're going to have that other side. So again, um, everyone, August 25th, 2020, Sarah Fry's book is released. It's out today, the growing season. It's on Walmart and Amazon. And I am so, so glad that we were able to hop on the, the show today and be able to discuss your book, really link up and tell everybody about your story and how to connect with you. All right, thank you so much for having me, Patrick. Have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.